Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Jed. I hope you will join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family. Because home is where it all begins. Hi, this is Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Real Estate, and I have my friend Sam Anderson here with me today, and we're going to talk about her adoption journey. So first, thanks, Sam, for joining us to share this long journey that you've been on with your family. Yeah, I'm excited to be here chatting with you. Thank you. And if anybody is watching this live and has specific questions, please let us know. We'll try to answer those as we go. But I know there's lots of people in your circle of influence and in mine that are thinking about adoption or in the midst of adoption and would love to hear your story. So I want you to share as much as you're comfortable sharing with us. And I know we'll all benefit from just hearing how God led you and Danny on this journey. So I'm just going to start from the beginning and ask, where did your adoption journey begin? So I, I really like to start this by like leveling the playing field and like, I am open. I do want people to be able to ask certain things. And sometimes people say like, is it okay for me to ask you this question? It's like, mm -hmm. of course it should be, you know, like this is not a private journey or private experience. I just firmly believe that God has has and does use experiences all encompassing good, bad, ugly, messy, especially in the body to edify, to grow faith, to allow people to come in and be a part of something that he's doing. So I guess I just like to kind of start there and say, when we're looking at like asking about my adoption journey, like this is really a bigger thing. This is a longer thing. This is something that God started when I was a teenager, you know? And I think the way I see it is not isolated as an adoption journey, but like a greater experience that God has called us to and that we get to share in and growing our family. So to give good context, I think it's helpful if we're just looking at the growth of our family to understand like early in our marriage, Danny and I had things going on, like health health issue. I, I never had it like cut and dry in my female health. And so early in our marriage, when just weird things were happening, we had gone to a couple different doctors to get some input and, you know, an opinion. And all three of them unanimously said, if you can get pregnant, you're going to have a hard time. So that was discouraging. And, you know, like newly married, 22 years old, just to think that it's not like, I, I didn't feel like I had gone far enough to like be able to have issues yet. So early on, I mean, even before that we were, we were content because we were, we both strangely had this call or this desire to adopt. So yeah, that, that is really when I think the growth of our family, just in the concept was kind of implanted. And then after that, you know, obviously different things happened and we did end up getting pregnant one time, yep. just a one-time thing, nothing else ever to compare. And I think from that, it's even challenging because there are people who will say, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not, you're not healthy. You need to look into that health. You need to get these things checked X, Y, Z. But I think really in our experience, God has shown us that he is truly the one who opens and closes the womb. Yeah. You know, he is the one that's in charge of these things. And he had a plan. He had 
Kai, Issa, and Gabby planned for our family, you know, that then he knew that wasn't going to happen through natural birth. So I think that's just important and helps me to understand because I think, I think the temptation is to isolate adoption from family, like from natural birth or you know, whatever that looks like, but really we need to pull the, these things together and just know, yes, God does give some people the growth of their family through biological birth, like continuing to give um, that. And then in others, he, he truly calls to grow your family through adoption. And sometimes your kids have lived before you meet them. Um, and that's a really strange concept and something to wrap your mind around. But I don't know if that <laughs> helps. <Yeah. or> sense. <laughs> and and so like you said, so you did get pregnant once. And so you have one biological child, Zeke. And then, I mean, again, don't let me be too personal, but it's like you haven't stopped the method of trying to get pregnant. But you got like you said, God has opened and closes the womb. And so he opened it for Zeke and you have him. And then from there, what led you to ultimately decide to pursue adoption at that point? I know it was in your kind of calling both you and Danny, but then what brought you to that moment to decide to adopt and where did that take you? Yeah. So that is a really good question, honestly. So there, you you do reach a sort of crossroads in in the growth of your family, because you start to feel like you have control over these things. I can control when I get pregnant. I can control, you know, the time of the month, or I know when these things can happen. And I think there is some truth to that, but we also lose then that God is in control. And even if it's timed, even if it's perfect, even if, you know, all the tests are saying go, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think the real temptation for us came when we did end up getting pregnant. And then we thought those doctors were wrong. Like this looks really bad for them. And then thought that it was in our control to do it again, mm -hmm. you know, to make this happen again. Mm -hmm. And, and God really used that for us to humble us greatly. Like I put that desire back on the pedestal where it wasn't before, but now that it happened, it was, and it became, it became an idol for sure that I was, I have to have this or X, Y, like I won't be happy. I won't be content, whatever those things are. And then it was easy to look all around me because it kept happening for my friends. They just kept going and we're on their third even mm -hmm. child while we only had Zeke. And I don't say only, but, you know, because I know that he was and is, you know, it's a miracle either way, honestly. So we had the choice to move forward in medical, you know, developments, testing options, and all the doctors put those in front of us. And I would just say, it's not really something I can explain a lot, but Danny and I both just did not feel inclined to move in that direction at all. Right. So it was clearly like, we're just going to move forward with the growth of our family through adoption, which was the intent anyways. Yeah. We just got kind of derailed and we didn't feel called to put money into that and instead chose to invest in whatever it was going to look like in the future, which we had no idea. And so you get connected to this young woman who is pregnant with a little boy who is Kai. And so how did that come 
about to where that was laid in your lap to have the opportunity to adopt him. Yeah. So it's interesting because we actually were connected with a young couple before Mm -hmm. we met Kai's birth mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was just an, it would have been an independent adoption, no agency involved. This was just a friend of a friend. And she knew that the young couple, they were around 16, were expecting and did not plan to parent the child. So that was an experience in itself because we met them, we walked with them, we enjoyed them. I was there when she was in labor and it was, I want to say like truly contentious with her family. There was a lot of disagreement and it's easy because I'm like, is this part of the story even truly necessary? But it really is because she decided ultimately after, after giving birth that she couldn't, it was most about like watching me walk away with her child. And so she had that connection in it in the most, like base sense because she chose not to give of herself to the child. She didn't want to breastfeed him. She didn't want to do certain things along those lines. So we were in this weird limbo for like three months, three months. I mean, every day I can remember like face down on the ground, God, what are you doing? Like, where is this going? Why is this happening? We came all this way and it seemed like every light was green and now nothing. And just waiting to hear from them every day, like we've changed our mind or like we want either way, yes or no. So that ultimately led to us meeting with them and them saying, we still don't know. This is the child is now three months old. And then we basically said, okay, we're always here. Our door is always open. Um, But ultimately, Danny said, we need to move forward with an agency just because he saw too how hard it was for me. We digested it very differently. That's ultimately when we started working with um, A Child's Hope, which is in downtown Raleigh, and they only do domestic infant adoptions in the state of North Carolina. So we already had like half of the process basically done. And they just added basically like a family portfolio, something that birth moms look through to pick, to get to choose, to have a voice, you know, and some choose not to, but we, we wanted that and that opportunity. So that's really how we ultimately got connected with Kai's birth mom, because, you know, we were presented with the opportunity as in the agency saying, here's what we know to be true. Would you be open to adopting this child if you're given the opportunity? So we got those frequently that we'd have to respond to like within 24 hours. And then if you said yes, they took the portfolios to the birth mother and she picked. So we got the call after she picked us. That's amazing. And one thing that I've watched with you and Danny and your family is that you've stayed connected to his birth mom and have invited her to his birthday parties, um, which I don't think is for everyone and maybe not the best solution for all adoption stories. But I think that's one thing you seem to have done really well and has been healthy for him and for you. And I think that's amazing. I think that's a fear for people who are adopting different reasons associated with that. So I've loved watching that. So now you've brought home another little boy through adoption and happy and it's going well. I mean, your, your family is thriving and then you're ready to adopt again. So tell us how, Issa and Gabby come into the picture just yeah. recently. I know it's crazy. I think I think pretty soon after we had Kai, I can't remember exactly how old he was, probably two or three, probably two. 
Mm -hmm. I was ready because I knew that, I don't know, there's just a sense, I think, which is weird because I'm not the kind of person who would like rely on that, you know, like, mm -hmm. or, um, but I knew that our family wasn't full. Yeah. I, there was still room. There was still love to give. It was not happening in other ways, obviously. And we knew that God had given us a call on our lives to adopt. So yeah, we began the international adoption process two years ago, this past June. And we didn't have many parameters for it, except that our desire was to adopt a girl. We were open to more than one, but to adopt a girl from another country where her, like her future was predictable in that sense, if you, if you know what I'm saying, to really allow the Lord to use us to bring her out of a potentially extremely harmful future yeah. where she would feel compromised to do certain things for her family, for herself, you know, just to survive. So that was really the main the, the main parameters for us moving forward. And God led us to Columbia and eventually our agency. And that was just the beginning of, I guess, the road to the referral. Like there's, there's a pretty long process internationally before you receive referrals that, that they feel that the people in the country and the people in the agency that everybody feels go well. Yeah. And I, you know, got to be a part of this journey, one, as your friend, but then I remember you thinking, like, how would we bring more kids home to the current house you were living in? And so making space, yeah. another home, um, but then doing your paper, you didn't want to have to do your paperwork twice. So like thinking through those logistics, I think of having a home to bring them to and not have to redo all of that. So I do, you know, fondly remember selling your house, helping you move into this new house with hopes of bringing home a little girl at least. And, you know, the work you do with IGP, just, you know, helping end female gender side, you have a passion around just like this predictable future, like you talk about for young girls. And so even though it wasn't in India, the same thing of like, just being a part of a system that once they're out, maybe puts them on the street, maybe trafficked, whatever that looks like. And so that was your and Danny's hope to end that mm -hmm. um, for at least one little girl. And in this case, two. And I remember us as we were talking just getting a couple of different referrals for children mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to figure out, and I can't even imagine trying to make a decision like that. I think you said like in 24 hours, we have to respond to those emails saying yes or no, we're open to this. Um, but then you get a referral to these twin girls. So what went through your and Danny's mind when you're thinking, okay, not just one, yeah, two twins in Columbia. Yeah. So that whole process, like you're just describing is it's so hard, especially as a believer, because you want to say yes, every time. Um, if you're truly doing it, you know, for the Lord calling you to do it, not to make you feel like a better person or look good or whatever those reasons are, but just even that process, I, I remember just hating it, being so conflicted and just knowing you don't get to choose your children. Like this, this is so twisted because when, when someone's pregnant, they, you know, without going into all complexities of today's world, like you don't get to choose. <laughs> it's, it, it is what is created. Mm -hmm. So that aspect of adoption, I would say, puts on full display the, the blatant brokenness in 
in the world. So we would we would very seriously weigh and try to discern if it was what the Lord had for us. And I think most times we knew obedience is what he had for us to continue walking in obedience, to continue trusting. And he was going to make that clear. So it wasn't like if we said yes to something that was not right, you know, it would be a mistake. Like we knew that us saying yes and him, you know, providing on the other side was going to allow for what he has already planned to happen. So when we got the referral for Issa and Gabby, I mean, we really laughed because the referral we had received before that was also for twin girls and for an older sister. And ever since I was a little girl, I just wanted twins. I don't know why. It's one of those weird things that God implanted in me when I was little. And it was just one of those things where I asked the um, the director of the agency, like, how often do you see twins come through like <laughs> in this way? And she said, only once before the first referral we got, she said only once before and they were teenagers. Wow. So it was just one of those weird things that when their referral rolled up on, you know, in the email to us, we just were like, this is weird. This is funny. This is strange. It's all the things. And I think as we had done in the years prior, just really not trying to convince the other person, like, let's come to this and say where where we both are. Because if either one of us tries to convince the other person of this placement or to adopt in the in the start, you know, whatever that is, it is not going to go well. Right. For us. Like at some point or another, you're going to resent the person for you know, your spouse for convincing you to do this, you know, whether it's for a specific child or just the whole concept in general. So really that's how we approached making those decisions. Well, and what's amazing is you throw COVID in there and it just complicated and made this a longer process. Um, So you got to bring home Issa and Gabby as two-year-olds in September is that correct? You got home October 9th. Yeah. October 9th. Okay. So we're traveling in September, got home in October. So you've only had them a short bit of time. So you're now adjusting to being a family of six. So mm-hmm. you have two older brothers that are bringing home their baby sisters. So I'd love just in these last 10 minutes, just being with some practical questions for people who are considering this, because we have lots of adoption in our family and it's not a fairy tale ending, um, but we can definitely put it in a fairy tale bubble. So how did you guard yourself from thinking this would be a fairy tale? And how would you tell others to be cautious of making adoption a fairy tale? I think that, and I love this question, um, this is something that I think God started working in my thought processes and development early on. Mm-hmm. Like this idea that something is not going to make everything better. Like mm-hmm. when you when you get whatever X is, your, your life is not going to be magical. And, you know, he taught me that through various different things. And I think you can apply that to like the single woman looking for her husband, the mother who just wants to get pregnant you know, whatever that thing is, knowing, understanding, approaching it with just when this does happen, it does not mean everything is going to be okay. It's just the beginning of the next, you know, without being too vague. That's really what it is. Right. Um, So it just, it just becomes newness, not magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's lots of challenges that happen, you know, whether you bring them home as a baby, Mm -hmm. Kai, 
or bringing them home as two-year-olds, there's, there is trauma that happens for these children at some level differently. So what are some of the challenges you face since bringing these three kids into your home that you would share with people just so that they don't have this rainbow painted fairy tale that's not accurate or true. Yeah, again, I think that it's so hard to view this outside of like organic growth because there's so many weird parameters on adoption or surrounding it or choices you get to make. And at the base level, I think it's just good to keep coming back to, even if this child, like I grew this child in my body, I would still not be able to predict or choose what comes down the road. Like you just have no idea. We like to think that we have control or can predict it from, you know, the, the spouses that came together, like, oh, it'll probably be a little like this. Like, no, there could be a complete outlier mm -hmm. that you just think, I don't know where this child came from. So I think it's good to, to come back to that and to place it all under the same, the same context, because we, I will certainly say we were naive in, in what we thought with with Kai's adoption and just the way that he came to our family, just like, you know, your child will come to you naturally by birth. We, we just believed and were naive in the fact that since we were there when he was born, since we were the first people to hold him, since we got to go to a, not a hotel room, a hospital room with him immediately after, well, a couple hours after his birth, but we were with him the whole time. Like we never left. And we just assumed naively that he would not have any repercussions or trauma or like, it's so silly to me to think that, but I think because we were able to do so many and share in so much of what you can, you know, in the grand scheme of having a child, you know, I was even able to nurse him. And I thought this is just like the ideal setup. You know what I mean? And you just, you don't know, you have no idea. Like, I like, there's a, there's a teacher who uses a phrase like, your children coming from hard places. And that could that could even be biologically something you endured through it through pregnancy that you endured, but that wouldn't come to your mind when you think of, oh, now my biological child is exhibiting X, Y, Z. Where does this come from? And just, again, leveling that playing field for, you know, all of our children and from wherever they came to us. So some of the challenges I would say, even with Kai, I don't really feel like we started to see challenges until around age three or four. Mm -hmm. um, and just certain ways that his his brain views and understands the world certain ways that he can or cannot um, withstand sensory experiences or pressure, like some of these things that kind of came at us like a slap in the face, like where did this come from? But over time, it's, his body is processing trauma that he can't verbalize, you know? And then on the other flip side with Issa and Gabby and them coming to us at two years of age is recognizing, okay, you have had constant caregivers up until this age in your life that have not been me. Certain people have communicated with you in specific ways that are not the way I communicate with you. You know, you have developed habits and strategies for surviving yeah. that we are all a part of now, you know? So there were things obviously that I don't even know that the agency could have shared with us because it may have appeared to be normal 
if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there are so many things that we were not prepared for, particular complications surrounding sleep and you know certain coping mechanisms also we we knew there was there was a language delay um the severity of that we did not know and the methods of communication being used we did not know so there was only so much that we knew and that you can see on a zoom or skype call so i would say those are like the most tangible and immediate challenges that we have encountered just to survive let alone like flourish and make space for all the other things. And there's so many things I, I want to ask you in addition, but because we're running out of time, um, what, what are some things that were helpful that people did when you were transitioning to being a family of six and bringing them home or on this journey of bringing them home? What did people do to be helpful that stands out in your mind? Yeah, I think the most evident the things that stay at the forefront of my mind are like not to be too like sad or like damper either anything but like the long suffering people not giving up on us when the story didn't turn magical or when there wasn't a happy ending because honestly we all do get sick of hearing sad stories it just it's just a part of who we are we can't hold enough in our brains especially now with covid on top of everything and everybody has a sad story. So I think that that really just, and in terms of like forever and the long-term effects is that ability to sit with, to hold, to endure with you, even though they're not going through it and they're not trying to make it better. They're not trying to offer, you know, a well-meaning, but trite answer to fix, to fix what's lying ahead. You know, they, they recognize, I don't know, and I can't do anything here. Like I can't move a mountain, but what can I do to love you? And some people even going so far as to ask a question of like, I want you to think about ways you feel loved so that I can provide that for you. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of just being like, I wanna bring you a meal, which is very helpful, mm -hmm. but you know, can become a one-off, like right. same for everyone kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess it comes down to intentionality mm -hmm. and really letting their ground too and not being scared of a potentially horrific ending. You know, at one point I didn't even know COVID may have shut down the world. And I thought this isn't going to happen. This is something God called us to. We were faithful and obedient and stepping out in this and it's just not going to happen. Right. And so what would you say to people um, that are considering adoption that would love to hear from someone who's gone through it twice and it wasn't a fairy tale process it was hard it was long but you've got your kids at home with you and you're raising them what would you share with them i think i keep coming back to like level the playing field no don't try to don't try to think like especially if you have have biological children like this is all on the same level and not a particular or different thing you know and it's so hard there's so many temptations to whatever you know so much of it i think is even surrounding like semantics like the way you choose your words and the things that you say and the things that you might say to someone who is going through it or someone who is starting like you just learn so much because it's it's on you know at the front mm -hmm. of your mind every day so i would also say don't be naive um just like you would want to prepare for a natural birth you know to be like i'm not going to get an epidural i'm going to do this 
and I'm going to research everything I can within my reach. Do the same yeah. with, with adoption. If you're if you're look if you're looking if you feel called to grow your family family through adoption, do research. Like read and read some more and you're never going to know everything just like you can never predict how your birth is going to play out um but don't don't be naive and realize that it's not going to fix a problem that you may have if you're looking to fix a problem and like we just need kids we just want kids and our family our our life will be happy like we'll be a family that is the wrong motivation and if you and your spouse aren't both fully equally you know convicted and drawn and feel called, then it's probably also not a good idea. Like we shouldn't adopt out of guilt or adopt because we know it's a good thing to do. It is, but it doesn't mean everyone is supposed to do it. And that's okay. Like there's freedom in that and in where the Holy Spirit leads. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing so much of that with us. I have a million more questions and I'm sure other people do. So we could do a follow-up session together, but thank you for your heart and your beautiful little kids. They're amazing. I've loved the the time I've gotten with them. Um, And so if you have questions, please, you know, feel free to contact either of us, um, send a a note on um, Facebook. We're happy to answer those for you guys, but thanks again, Sam. And I hope that this encourages someone out there to start filling out some adoption paperwork. So that's our our hope and prayer for today. So thank you. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.